This is the Outreach.fm podcast. Nowadays, sometimes you can look at the world and think, we've gone crazy. Things seem out of control. But remember, God is always in control. Are you looking for something fresh, new, and exciting? This is the Outreach.fm podcast. Taking the positive message of Jesus Christ to the world. Proclaiming he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Broadcasting from the Upper Room Studios to the world. Are you ready? Let's get into it. This is Outreach.fm. And now, here's Pastor William Luffman. Let's go back to 1 Timothy chapter 3. At verse 15, and we'll read it again. We read it, of course, last week. And so you were over there and you know what it says. But Paul said to a young pastor, if I tarry long or if I takes me a while to get to where you are, he said, I want you to, that you may know how you ought to behave. Everybody say we ought to know. How to behave in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of the truth. So God's house is supposed to be where truth comes from. The house of God should always be where the truth comes from. It should never be about political affiliation. It should never be about what society believes or the mood and the trends and the fads of the world. But we should be able to depend that if we come to the house of God, we're going to hear truth. Because I want you to know, and you know this, you're not going to find it much outside of the house of God. You're going to find people's forms of truth. You're going to find people's opinions of truth, but you're probably not going to find truth because out there, they're trying desperately to eliminate any trace of God. Can I get better amens? I mean, uh, now I know if I'd have said, everybody's going to get a new car. You know, like remember the sermon I did? Isn't it amazing if I'm preaching the blessing sermon, everybody's already, oh, go on, pastor, come on, pastor. But we're going to go into a little bit tougher. We got to clear out some weeds today. We got to get rid of some rubbish today. We got, there's some garbage that stinks and we got to get it outside in the, in the body of Christ. Amen. And, and I want you to know as a pastor, I wish that God would give me you know, I love preaching those victory sermons and blessing sermons, and I, I really love those. And I preach a lot of them, but boy, we got some work to do. Amen? But now notice he goes over and says, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. Wow. Now, this is an interesting verse here when you go on. He said, great is the mystery of godliness. So, so our behavior is important because it's connected to whether we are godly or not. Boy, I tell you, this is going to be tough today, I can tell. It's dependent on that. Uh, If you don't behave a certain way, you can claim to be godly all you want to, but that doesn't make you godly. Now, I'm going to say something early to get your attention because apparently I need to. Everything that has Jesus on it does not have Jesus in it. Everything that has Jesus on it does not have Jesus in it. Just because your friend wears an earrings with crosses and just because they have a cross around their neck or they got a couple of Jesus bumper stickers or, or they wear a what would Jesus do bracelet. I always wonder why people wore those because very few people did what Jesus did. Amen. And just because somebody hollered loud and stomps and snorts and squirts a scripture out at you. It's not about, it's about what are, how is your life? We got to get the rubber down where it meets the road. Now this scripture says here, Paul writing to a young pastor, great is the mystery of godliness. In other words, this godliness thing is something we ought to really look into. God wants us to dig a little deeper where this godliness thing is. And it says this, God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles and believed on in the world and received up into glory. In other words, God said, I'm I'm not just going to tell you what godliness looks like. I'm going to send my son and he's going to live a godly life so you can see how you ought to live. God didn't just talk to us about godliness. He sent his son who lived godly in a mortal body. 
that felt what you feel and, feel, and what I feel and, and got sick, or didn't get sick, but got tired, got hungry, got sleepy, got betrayed, got hurt, got all this stuff. God did that so we could get a picture of that it is possible to live godly in this human body. And something even more that we're going to read as we go, and you guys already know this, he actually expects it of us. Now, I finished last week's message by quoting Miles Monroe. I want to go back to that again for a minute to give us a platform to build on. Uh, when mathematics was, we would say, discovered, you know, the Renaissance age really would probably was before that on some forms, but, but we know that when mathematics was discovered and what they discovered about mathematics was it was constant meaning it was not variable that one is one two is two three is three and four is four and they found out that you could depend on those numbers and we remember we said the numbers are called what characters isn't that interesting that a number is called a character why is it called a character well because it has integrity one is always one Two is always two. You better be glad or this building might fall on you in a minute. Because the people who built it schematically, we, saw, we went through 50 or 60 planning sessions. Pastor Ginger and I sat down with so many architects, so the builders, I'm not talking about so, so many times. You guys came in and enjoyed the building, but there was a lot that happened before this building ever got started. And they had to go through plans and those plans had to be measured and they used mathematics. Why they use mathematics? Because you could count on it. One is always one. Two is always two. Three is always three. Four is always four. Amen. 12 inches is a foot. 36 inches is a yard, right? 5,280 feet is a mile, right? So, uh, so the thing about that is, and now we got to understand that God is wanting that that idea to get back in our heart, we cannot, we're not permitted to make one, one and a half. We're not permitted to make two, 2.3 because that's what we believe. That's, I mean, you can, but you won't line up with God because with God, one is one, two is two, three is three, four is four. You don't get to change that. I don't get to change that. I would like to change that sometimes because sometimes I don't like some of that because it's really going crosswise of the way I want to behave. Are you hearing me? Now, I think we're beginning to move on in a little bit here. So now here we are in a world today, my Lord, they don't even know that one is one anymore. Two is two or three is three or four is four. And, 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 and we just don't, I mean, we're, we're in a total state of spiraling now where, where there's so much, we've allowed variation in our lives to the degree that, that, that and, and all that does, you know, really when you do that, you're really saying God is not God. And you're also saying God does not know best. Now don't shout me down here. So uh, let me give you some words here. I'm gonna give you some things to think about. I, I gave them to you last week. Let's go quickly through the word behave in the Greek. I gave them to you, but I got some new stuff to give you today to help you a little. Um, one of the words for behave, there are three Greek words, primary words in the New Testament. I'm not gonna recite them. I could, but I mean, that's not necessary for you to get what I'm talking about. One of the words behave means morality. Now morality is what? It's what matters to you. What, is, what are your morals? Everyone say morals. How many of you believe that in our nation right now, we need a discussion on morals? Well, let me go ahead and help you. We're having one. The problem is we're not going by the handbook, which says one is one and two is two is three is three, where God's not going to bend on it. Now, I don't think I'm talking about any particular thing because we could talk about morals from the top to the bottom. We could talk about husbands and wives where there had some people, morals, they believe. I was, with a, I was with another pastor one time. We were at his church and it was before the service and we were visiting and, and we both walked into the men's restroom to use the restroom and we're standing there at the urinals. He looks over at me and he says, you know, all of our wives expect us to have one affair. I looked over at him and I said, well, I don't expect to have one. I want to live long on the earth and prosper and do well, you know. 
And if God doesn't get me for it, Holy Ghost Jr. will. In case you don't know, men, your wives, if they're godly women, they are Holy Ghost Jr. And you ought to really listen to them because they they're Holy Ghost Jr. So when I say this about morals, I want you to understand, I want you to think I'm pinpointing anything. I'm not. Because it's in everything. It's in business. The way people treat each other in business is horrible. They'll cheat in a minute to get an extra dollar. And I'm talking about Christians. Oh man, let me say, oh, it's the best thing in the world. I want to sell this to you. And they know all along, man, there's all kinds of problems. You ever, you've seen that episode of Andy Griffith where, you know, Barney's going to sell houses and, you know, and all of a sudden, I mean, he's going to try to sell, and they, they're not going to tell anything about these houses, you know, that it leaves. But, you know, then Opie comes in, he's, he's a young guy, he, his morals haven't been corrupted. Remember, Opie walks in and says, well, dad, you know the roof leaks. Shh, boy, what are you talking about? Get back there. Remember those episodes? So morality is what matters to you. Number two, values. Now, values are what you possess. What are your values? And then we ask the question, where did they come from? Because if they came from the world, they're not going to line up with God. Where did your values come from? Did they come from your friends? Because unless they're walking with God, you can't depend on your friends to give you your values. Can you shout amen? Your values are what you possess. Number three, a Greek word from the word behavior is the word conduct. And conduct is how you act. How you conduct yourself. How you act. How you act is very, very important. A lot of people say they have values, but their conduct does not match what they say they have. Just because you can talk about morals and you can talk about values, if your conduct doesn't match it, well, then it's of no use. Now, don't shout me down here. And by the way, all of this is in the Bible. And you're going to find out God is really big on this thing. Again, he, can, he doesn't care about your educa education or lack of it, whether you got a pedigree, whether, you got money, God, whether you've been divorced or not. God can use anybody, but he's going to check out and see if you can, even if you, if you will at least try to match your values with his. Amen. The fourth word is the word honor. The word honor is what you believe in and what you'll defend. What is it? That, and it could be a person could be a thing, but what you believe in, I mean, where do you bestow honor at? You know, we live in a dishonorable world. I mentioned last week, children don't obey their parents, and just because you're 18 doesn't give you permission to sass them when you leave the house. Treat them like garbage, treat them like junk, don't call them till you want something. Trying to get them to bail you out again. Fix this for me. Lend me some money for that. I mean, nothing wrong with that, but I'm, I'm talking about if you dishonor them, you don't have the right to do that. Right, now, if you honor them, you know, honor your father and mother. The Bible says this is the first commandment promise and, and so and that it may be well with you. It says in Ephesians, and you might live long on the earth. But that honor would be with your boss. You should honor your boss. Well, he's not honorable. It has nothing to do with his honor. It has to do with your honor. Well, I mean, he didn't show up on time, so well, what does that have to do with you? If he said 8, eight o'clock to 5 o'clock, you need to be there 10 minutes to 8, ship-shaped, clothed up, ready, attitude, straightened up and fixed, and ready to go to work. Well, all those people I work with, that, it doesn't matter about all those people you work with. We're talking about your honor now. Amen. Talking about your honor. I mean, again, folks, I'm not perfect. I'm still working on all the things I'm preaching to you, so I don't ever want to cast myself as a perfect person on any level. But I will give you illustrations when I do get it right. I'll try to give you illustrations, and the illustration I'll give you is the one that you've heard over and over. There's a reason why the man I worked for 20 years, I worked for this man 20 years, and now that's been 25 years ago since I stepped off that job. There's a reason why we're still great friends. I mean, we're like this. It's because when I worked for him, he had, he had honor first, and that's where I learned a lot of it. He had honor, but I had honor towards him. When he said, William, pick up the paint truck, go to the paint store, be there at 7 o'clock. I want you to pick up this, this, and this. You go to this job site. If you finish that, go over to job site number two. If you get done there and there's any time left in the day, go over here. I said, yes, sir. I didn't go, well, that's just ridiculous. I mean, that's all he ever wants me to do is work, work, work. What does he think I am, a worker? 
I picked up the truck. I went to the paint store. I picked up the paint. I went and did the job. When we got done, I went to job number two. And I got done. I went to job number three. And if he didn't ever tell me to go to job number three, and I got done, and I knew we had another house, I would go over there on my own, you know, my own uh, reconnaissance. So I'd just go over there myself. And he'd say, well, how did it go? Did you get job one? Yeah, I got job number one and two. And, you know, we had a couple of hours left, so we went over and prepped the next house. Oh, man, I'm glad you did that. That'll help us out. But see, that's, that's so, you know, and you, are you listening to me? Because here's what you need to know. The Bible says, whatever you do, you do it as unto the Lord. If the person you're working for doesn't have honor, if the person you're working for is not good or an evil man, then you're going to have to get over that and decide, but I'm still, I'm actually working for God here. So I'm still going to do right and I'm still going to work hard. I worked so hard in those days painting houses. I've told you before, and it's not, again, I'm not trying to say too, I hate talking about myself. It's the only way I can get an illustration across sometimes, but, but I worked so hard, literally, I ran. I mean, I, I grunted. I said, get that house, to, get over there, get that ladder. Because I just felt that that's the right thing to do. I believe part of the reason God's given me some responsibility here is because if you're faithful over few things, he makes you ruler over much. Now, some of you that can't get promoted, you might want to double check why you're not getting promoted. That's all I'm saying. I'm not looking at anybody. Number five, the word character is one of the words from behave. Character is who you are. Character is who you are. If a person, I said it last week, if a person says your name, they don't just say your name, they're thinking about your character. Because they'll say this, uh, oh, man, I'd love for Tim to come over to the house. Now, because I believe Tim has some integrity, I, I'd love for Tim to come over to my house. But if I know that Tim's going to come over and try to steal something, I go, oh, God, Tim's coming over to the house. Right? You understand? Character is critical. He wouldn't do that, by the way. He's been to my house many times. But, but you understand what I'm saying? Character is who you are. It really matters You're with God. I see, because really I am preaching to you the blessings of God. I am preaching to you of how to win and be victorious because these are all things tied to God that we have to get right. Amen. You can't just shake the blessing tree and all the blessings fall out and you have no character, no values, no morals, no honor, no integrity. Number, by the way, integrity is number six. You can't, it doesn't work that way. Now, the word integrity is an interesting word because actually the word integrity, we would get the word integrate. What, is it, what does it mean to integrate? Well, back when, the, when, when there was segregation and, and, and was horribly ridiculous and you had little black boys and girls, little white boys and girls couldn't even go to, church, uh, couldn't even go to school together. It was ridiculous. Segregation. They finally did something about it and then they became integrated. We became one. We went to the same school. And integrity means where you finally quit being one person one day and another person the next. Where you become dependable. Where people will say, well, I'll tell you one thing about them, man. They're always going to be on time. That's what you want people to say about you. Like, well, you know, man, I'm telling you what, that person's like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. I mean, one minute they show up and they're nice, the next minute they're the devil. Anybody home in the house of God today? You don't want to be that person. You want to have some integrity, some oneness. The word holy in the Bible means one. The Bible, as a matter of fact, to the Jewish people, the most important statement about God is behold, uh, behold is or the Lord your God is one. That's the most important statement to them. And it's because God is, and that's why we've had to straighten out bad theology over the year. God doesn't break your arm one day and heal you the next. There's no integrity in that. We've had to break some of those old bad teachings and preachings that we all were raised under and we had to finally go to John 10 and 10 and get it straightened out that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, but I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Well, I just believe God will break your arm to teach you something. How many of you have children? How many of you ever broke your children's arm? Went back to her, I'm going to teach you a lesson and you broke your child's arm. If you did, that's called abuse and you can get put in jail for that. You correct them, yes. You correct them, yes, but you don't break their arm. And do you think, well, God's our father. Do you think, do you think our morals are better than his? 
You think our standards are better than his? No, he said, my ways are even higher. And if you won't break your child's arm, do you think I'm going to break, break your arm? Come on, man. Right? So we got to get that right. Now, we did say that the confusion in the world today that has really been infused is the word love. It has been so flippantly, so flippantly used and so so conveniently used if we want to do something wrong, we'll throw the word love out. Well, God loves me. God just loves me. Well, of course he does. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But now if you'll go on and read, you got a Bible here that I can pick up so I don't have to go back up there. I bet John 3 is right in the same place your Bible is in mine. You think it is? We're going to find out if it is. I'm going to find out right here, John 3. Because you want to know why? One is one. Two is two. Three is three. Isn't it great that every Bible has the chapters, you know, 1,189 chapters, 39 books in the Old Testament, 27 books in the New Testament. Aren't you glad? If it has any less than that, go get a different book. Amen. But uh, let me see here. I'm going to go to John chapter 3. Now, we all know John 3, 16 and 17. Um, for God so loved the world, verse, what, what version is this? I didn't even look to see. NIV. NIV. So we're reading from, the, reading from the NIV. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to the, save the world through him. Now that sounds good. And it sounds, it almost sounds like I can do just about anything I want to because God really loves me. But see, as usual, we don't read all the chapters. We pick out, we cherry pick the good scripture. Verse 18, whoever believes in him, how many of you believe in him? You're a Christian, you're a believer. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. Now here you come. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness. Instead of light, why? It even tells you why. Because their deeds were evil. Oh, everyone who does evil hates the light. How many people? Everyone. I don't get to choose good and evil. God's already given me what it is. I don't get to set my own standard of good and evil. The Bible tells me, and I'm going to read you some scripture here in a little while. I'll prove it to you. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. There's a reason why a lot of your friends aren't in church today. Because there's some light over here. And they don't want the light being shined in on their deeds. That doesn't mean that you should compromise your light. You don't compromise to win them. You hold up a standard for them to look at. Well, I'll just go to the bar with my friends because after all, you know, I'm witnessing to them and I won't have anything but a Coke. You've been delivered where, where? Out of the darkness. Into the light. I know you didn't like it that I got on alcohol there, but that's okay. But that's because you want to stay in darkness and your deeds are evil. But whoever lives by the truth, listen to this, but whoever lives by the truth comes into the light. It didn't say they, make the, they don't make it fit their life. It says they come, they come into the light. So that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now, how many of you can see the scriptures are pretty plain, aren't they? Now, I'm not mad. I'm not a mean preacher. I'm not up here trying to beat up on anybody. I love everybody in this house. I love everybody online. I do believe that what I'm preaching is so important that if we will make some adjustments and some movement toward God, it may be why some things have stalled out in some of our lives. See, you're still wanting to be part of the world and hold on to that and still get all the bounty and the blessings of God. And some bad preachers have actually told you you can do it, but they lied. I'm sorry to say it, but they lied. They've not told you the truth. They've misled you. Amen. Do you want, if you take your car to a mechanic, and let's say you're having a wheel-bearing problem. How many of you, I don't know a lot about cars, but I know a little bit. I always know a little bit more about stuff than I ever let on because I think 
I'd rather undersell than, than not. But if you've got a problem with the wheel bearings in your car, and you take it to the mechanic and say, something is roaring on this right side of my car up here. I don't know what it is. And he says, well, you know, and he looks at it and he can tell it's about to, you know, it's about to be a real problem in a little while. That wheel's going to fall off. I had it happen to me before, you know. Uh, and, but he says, well, you know, I tell you what, uh, I, it's not really a problem. You just keep on driving it. I mean, it'll probably just go on. It'll be all right. Now, do you want that kind of advice from your mechanic when that wheel could come off and it could kill you and your family? Or would you rather him say, let me show you here what's about to happen if you don't fix this because if you don't, something really bad is about to happen. Right. We were watching an episode of Dateline as I am so prone to do with my wife because I love my wife. <laughs> and we were watching an episode lately about this guy in Chicago. You might have seen it. He was a doctor. He was a nose doctor and he was, he built this clinic. He had state of the art, everything he was making. He was raking in the millions of dollars and, uh, he was doing between 15 and 22 surgeries a week, which is astronomical. That's astronomical a week. That's over two a day. In case you're doing the math or three, if you're talking about 22, that's over three a week. So, I mean, three a day for a week. So, um, so three a day is a bunch. And all of a sudden, a couple people that, and he'd gotten all this money and he'd gotten, I mean, he'd just gotten fame and I mean, he was just making the money. All of a sudden, a lady went in and, and he diagnosed her and said, well, you need to have your sinuses taken out or whatever. I'm going to do this surgery. And I've checked out your insurance. It's good. We're going to make it all happen. He does. Well, she finds out a month or two later, she's got massive cancer built up in her throat and around in this area. He never mentions it to her at all. And eventually she loses her voice. She goes to a different person. I'm shortening the story. She eventually dies of cancer. Now, he didn't give her the cancer. But he saw it in there and he never mentioned it because he wanted the money from that surgery. Had an eight-year-old girl that went in that was having some problems with headaches. He, he told her mother, she needs to have her sinuses. And I need to do all this operation on an eight-year-old girl. He does it and this girl almost dies. And finally... You know, they find out this dude is really, he's doing operation after operation. He's showing people, other people's x-rays to say you need this operation and then doing the operation and collecting the money. Now, are you here? I want you to catch a little bit about this. See, because if we don't watch it, and, but he was substantiating it. I'm a doctor and I'm this. And I, it doesn't matter what you are. What in the world are you doing? Now, go to 1 Peter. I know we read it last week. I'm going to try my best to get to one or two new scriptures here real quick. Stay with me. GP, are you with me? Okay, I didn't get the rest of it, but at least I got part of that. All right. We, oh, yeah, but we might go somewhere. Okay. I got you. You keep preaching, we're going to go somewhere. I got it. First Peter chapter one from the Amplified Classic Bible. Now, I, I read this last week. I know that I did, but it's important for me to read it again. So brace up your minds. Your mind is the battlefield. That's what everyone's trying to get. That's what the world is trying to get. They're trying to get your attention so they can put something in your mind that they want you to have so that you'll behave the way they think you should behave. Can you shout amen? amen? Now, no offense, because we have folks in here, uh, this epidemic, this pandemic hit uh, people that are elder, people that have health problems, people that are African-American, different than it did other sections of the community. So please don't take this personal. We have people in here wearing masks today, and I'm fine with it. I wore them every time I had a chance to wear one, and I was with people, I did it. Because, you know, one reason I did it, personally, I didn't think I needed it, but I did it to honor people around me. Because it couldn't be about me. But I do want to say something. We better understand, we got a real lesson in the last 15 months of how easily we can be little sheepy. And we can fall right into line. Because I, uh, I was watching a little bit of the baseball game a couple of nights ago. The Dodgers were playing. They're my favorite team and <clears throat> defending world champs. But anyway, um, they're playing. And there's like, in Dodger Stadium, I've been there. In Dodger Stadium, there's like, they seat like 50-something thousand. They always lead the major leagues in attendance because they just do. First of all, there's 155 million people out there. So it's okay. 
But they only had like four, six, eight thousand in the whole stadium. And I thought, this is, this is ridiculous. And here's what they said. But on June the 15th, we're 100% capacity. I thought, this virus is smart. On the 11th, you can get it. On the 12th, you can get it if you go in there. On the 13th, you can get it. On the 14th, you can get it. But as of the 15th, you can't get it. Now, I only say that to throw that pebble out into the water to say that all of us have to be, I'm not, I'm not even, I'm only using that as a sidebar illustration. It's, I'm not even getting off on that just to say that there's a battle for our minds. That's where the devil always goes first. He puts a thought in your head. Uh-oh, 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 oh. And then you've got to decide, how am I going to fight that? Now, if you get online, you'll get a lot of support for that. Uh-oh, oh, 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 oh. You'll get it everywhere. Amen. We as human beings tend to gravitate towards people that will tell us what we're doing is right. But we don't, as Christians, we don't really have the right, we don't have the liberty for that. We have to go back here and check this out. Because one is one and two is two and three is three and four is four. And I, I know your version is different, but I, I call myself a Christian here. So I really am not permitted to just go with what you're saying. You know, I told you there's this, uh, uh, this tropamine or this thing that gets uh, released in when we're right and we get this rush when we get this certain kind of a feeling and all that. And they also did this study and found out that 73% of Americans believe they're good drivers. How many of you in here believe you're a good driver? Go ahead, I mean, don't, don't be honest. How many of you believe you're a good driver? How many of you have seen some of these people drive? Because <laughs> we like to believe we are right. That idiot there, that guy's an idiot, that guy's a fool, that guy's stupid, and that person there does not need to be driving. And I still need deliverance because I say those things when I'm out on the road. That guy's an idiot, that guy's stupid, that person does not need to be driving. What the heck are they doing? Hey amen. Can you shout amen? All right, do you ever find First Peter? Let's read real fast. So brace up your minds, be sober, circumspect, morally alert. Wow. Peter warned us to be morally alert. Set your hope wholly, W-H-O-L-L-Y, I read it last week. That means completely, completely and unchangeably. Uh-oh, that's a big word. Unchangeably on the grace, divine favor that is coming to you when Jesus Christ the Messiah is revealed. Well, that's right, Pastor. Grace, all oh, grace, guys. I got the grace on me. Got it, got it, got it, got it, got it, got it. I got grace all over me. Jesus did it all. Paid for the whole price. I can't mess it up. Grace is happening right here. I got the grace of God on me. Boy, it sure would have been good if verse 14 and 15 and 16, if, if Peter would have shut up right there, we would have it made. But unfortunately, Peter kept talking. And he said in verse 14, live as children of obedience to God. Do not conform yourselves to the evil desires that governed you in your former ignorance when you did not know the requirements of the gospel. What whoa, because now all of a sudden we're being told, I don't get, even though I've got grace, I don't get to go back and be like I used to and act like I used to and behave like I used to and do like I used to and be with the people I used to and go where I used to go. I don't get to do that anymore because believe it or not, with this grace that God gives freely comes a requirement on my side. And that is the left out part of the message that the preachers of today do not want you to hear because it will not fill all the seats in the auditorium. If I wanted to fill the seats of this auditorium, I, I am completely convinced in about six months, 
We could fill this church up twice if I would change my message some. Now, some of you that are strong and mature in the Lord would leave, which would be right for you to do because you'd be leaving because I'm preaching heresy. But I could fill these seats. If I told you, good God, lots of blessings, lots of love, lots of grace, if you can think it up, baby, he's gonna prove that thing right on the spot. You just go right on and you enjoy every little delicacy of life and don't you worry a bit about it. Don't you worry about a thing, mama, because I'm telling you, he is taking care of this thing for you. Dress any way you want, act any way you want, drink anything you want, toke on smoke and inject anything you want, sleep with as many as you want. My God, it's don't worry about it, it's all good. And I'm telling you, it wouldn't take long to fill some seats in this house. That's why there are some churches in this city that are full today. Don't be misled by the numbers. And when you can't tell the preacher from the fisherman, there's something wrong. You know? Now don't shout me down now. Don't shout me down. If you love the Lord, shout amen though. Listen to what he says in verse 15. After he tells us to live a certain way, then he says, but as the one who called you is holy. Now he's saying H-O-L-Y. Listen to this. You yourselves also be holy in all your conduct and manner of living. And how much of it? Just your business? Just in your marriage? No. He said our conduct is supposed to, supposed to start lining up with God. Now, none of us are perfect. Okay, we're, we're all at works in progress, but we can't have that excuse after 40 years. Amen. If you're young in the Lord, God's very patient. Of course, he's going to allow you some opportunity to learn and to grow and to mature and to grab hold of some of these things and make some adjustments. But I want to give you a scripture that I quoted earlier where much is given much is required. And once you hear it and you say it and you say, I agree, I believe it, God is going to begin to hold you accountable for it. Oh God, please, why do you give me this to say today? If I really preached everything today that I should be preaching, some people in here could not handle it. They would get offended, they'd get mad, they'd stomp out of here, they, they'd go whatever. If I preached to them shacking up, What is shacking up? See, some of you don't know because it's not been preached on in 30 years. It's when you live with someone you're not married to. We they sleeping in the other room. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Well, I got some oceanfront property out in Kansas. In Kansas, I'm going to sell you right after church today. You see me after church. I got some oceanfront property in Kansas that I will sell you today. Cheap. But you know, if preachers talk much about that today, some people get offended and walk out because they've been told by other preachers, it's okay. I mean, don't you test drive a car? Mmm, mmm. Pastor Rim, I thought you were trying to build a church. I'm trying to build a church that the gates of hell will not prevail against. That's what I'm trying to do. Now, if I said this other thing, I'd lose half of you and you'd get offended for sure. You'd get mad because I already know half of you have this going on. Can, I, can, can, can the adults, can you allow me to speak to your young people for a minute? Even if you've had this in your life, can, can I have the permission to say something to your young people to help them? Now, I'm not going to tell you what I'm about to say will send you to hell or will condemn you to hell, but I'm just going to talk to you about just trying to be a representative of Christ. But marking up your body and sticking holes all over your body just because it's trendy, just because it's faddish, just because it's what everybody's doing. Here's what I'm saying to you. I'm just saying at least, this is all I'm, and you can come in this church. Our son, he stopped, he's, he's probably got 350. I mean, my God, I can't even see his skin anymore. So, you know, I want you to know I understand. We understand this as parents. I want you to understand. Don't think I'm so, well, he's some white guy out there and he didn't get it. Man, my son, I mean, you know, you can't, he's not white anymore. He, he's blue, blue, orange. I don't know what he is anymore. Here, here's what I am going to say to you, and I hope you can hear it. If you already have a tattoo, you're not being condemned, my God in heaven. 
we're talking about, I tell you what, Jesus is concerned about today forward. So I'm not trying to condemn you. I know some of you have them and you came from, I get all that. So don't think, let me preach to your young people. Could you just let me preach to them? At least pray about it. Don't do it just because everybody's doing it. Because most of the time, if you do what everybody's doing, it will not be right. It'll be fleshy. It'll be something born out of the flesh, not out of the spirit. Now, I want you to hear this clearly. See, I took a big risk talking about this. I really took a big risk talking about this because I already know the half the people in your house. And if you haven't, don't be going, oh, dear God. (laughs) (laughs) Pastor William, I can't let him say Breathe, everybody breathe in, breathe out. I don't care about your tattoo or your ring. There are some places you might put that ring I don't want to know about, but, but I don't really care. Read the book of Leviticus sometimes and find out if it matters. Well, that's the Old Testament and that's in the old law. And you know, that's just in the old way. Okay, but remember, your body's been bought with a price. Now, but I'm not condemning anyone that has one. Our kids have them. Don't think we haven't had this discussion though. Don't think we've said, oh, that is just, can, can you get about 10 more? Come on. Don't think we as parents have done that. We have not done that at all. So I'm not condemning you. You hear what I'm saying? But don't, don't, don't you think somebody needs to at least say, young person, please pray about this. Isn't that fair enough to say, young person, please pray about this. Just pray about it. And if you go ahead and get one, you know what? We don't, I mean, I don't care. The blood of Jesus saves you. You'll go to heaven. You, you walk with God. You're going to go to heaven. You don't get to keep the body anyway. But you know what I'm saying? But the reason I said that is, it's, part, it's just one other way that if we don't watch it, we take on the world's views, we take on the world's ways, we take on the world's thinking, we take on the world's trends, we take on the world's patterns, we just take on the world. And if, I want you to walk as high with God as you can walk. I want everybody in this room and everybody watching to far out walk me with God. I want you to go to heights that I've never reached. I, I, I am not trying to cap you off, man. I'm trying to free you up. If you know the son, you know the son will make you free indeed, man. I'm not preaching law and I'm not preaching the clothesline and you're going to hell if you wear makeup, if you got a tattoo or an earring. I'm not preaching that at all. I'm just merely saying, talk to God and allow him to talk to you before you do anything. It could be anything. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Now, love, we talked about this last week, love sometimes says no. And that's why I said earlier, we've used love as a, as, as a free pass to do whatever we want to do. Like, well, God loves, well, he does love, but we read those scriptures. Love says no. Pastor Ginger said when she was up here, I mentioned it last week. There's times that I love my children, but I absolutely am. I'm not going to tell you that's right when it's not right. Our adult children, not Rachel. I mean, Rachel and Jason, they work hard for the ministry. They're walking with God every day. I tell you what, we're thankful to have one of our children in the ministry. And I guarantee you, they are walking with God and they love God. They love this church. But our other two adult children, they have some issues they're still working through. And we don't ever tell them, spot on. They know us. They're like, now, you know, you need to get this fixed. Because we love them. Love doesn't mean you have permission to make one, one and a half, two, two and a half, three, three and a half, four, four. You just don't have that permission. Amen? There was a question about, well, uh, what about the Bible saying you can't be divorced? Well, I hope that you know all the scriptures if you're going to say that because the Bible says you can. Everybody in I know this by, without even looking, half of us in here have been divorced. I don't even have to get you to raise your hands. But you know, even if I was wrong when I got mine, which I believe I had all kinds of biblical, I mean, there was definitely bi- biblical stuff going on there. But even if I was, you know, God's more concerned with where I'm at today in my life. It didn't give me permission to go out and have three more or five more. Pastor Ginger and I will be married 39 years in October. I'd say that's a pretty good track record. I was dumb and stupid when I was a young man, didn't know God, didn't seek God, went out and, you know, did something I shouldn't have done. Next thing you know, I mean, I'm, you know, but, but I say all that to say, I didn't get then to say, well, you know, that's just the way I get to live the rest of my life. 
I'll just marry somebody. If it doesn't work out in two or three years, I'll dump that one and we'll go over here and do that. And I'll just have all the women I want. No, I had to go back and say, no, wait a minute. I'm going to have to do this the way God said. This time I'm going to seek God for a wife. Amen. Not my flesh, because the first one was all about flesh. This time I'm going to talk to God, seek God, pray, let God bring me the right person. But when I marry that person, it's going to be, she's going to have to die or I'm going to have to die because as long as I'm on this earth and she's on this earth, we're, we're staying together. Because one is one and two is two and three is three and four is four. Now I say that to help some of you because I know. Or, you know, if you just lose, if you lose your business, if you go bankrupt, you know, I could, you, you see these principles I'm throwing out, they actually apply in just about anything. There have been things I've had to adjust in my life that I would rather not to have to adjust it. It would have been much easier for me to have my own way, but I want to walk with God. And when I fail, and I do fail, and when I mess up and I do mess up, I don't try to go to God and go, God, I mean, you know this is good. Here, bless this. I always going to go, Lord, I know I blew it again. Whew, can't believe I said and did that. That's the dumbest thing in the whole world. And I go back to the altar and I repent and I get it fixed and I say, but now God, I want to do it your way. I don't try to get God to approve my sin. I just say, Lord, I'm, you know, I, I, this is a ridiculous thing, but you know, you know, I want to get it right. Are you hearing me today? Isaiah chapter five, we'll close here. Might read one quick scripture after that if we have time. Are you okay? GP, are you with me? All right, I got 21% in here, praise God. Pastor only needs two people to say amen. And that'll cost everybody else 30 more minutes of preaching. I, I've been in churches before when, the, you know, everybody be like, man, I wish I, I you could feel the tension like, we're tired, we want to go home, please hurry and finish. And there'd always be one or two like, keep on, brother, long as you want to. And you're thinking, if I could put their hands over their mouth. Shut up! <laughs> I don't want you to have those feelings about your brothers and sisters in here. Isaiah chapter 5, verse 16, but the Lord of hosts shall be exalted in judgment and God that is holy, everybody say holy, holy. shall be sanctified in righteousness, then shall the lambs feed after their manner and the waste places of the fat ones shall strangers eat. So he's talking about when we understand God's holiness, everything will flow together. Verse 18, woe unto them that draw iniquity with cords of vanity and sin as it were a cart rope. In other words, they treat sin like very lightly. They treat sin lightly. Verse 19, that say, let him make speed. And in other words, this person that's in sin, don't worry about it. Let him make speed and hasten his work that we may see it. And let the counsel of the Holy One of Israel draw nigh and come that we may know it. So in other words, we just want God to approve what we're doing. Look at verse 20 though. Woe, everybody say woe. woe. Now this word woe is not like a horse woe. No, woe to the horse. This is a much deeper woe. It's found in the book of Revelation where God says, woe unto him. And he says it over different matters. You know what that word woe means? You're going to be cursed and your memory is going to be wiped out. That's what that word woe means over in the book of Revelation. It's what it means. When God says woe, he means you better really pay attention to what's about to be said. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter, Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. Woe unto them that are mighty to drink wine. I didn't think that was in the Bible. No, you only know your three verses that you put together to build your case for your sin. Hmm. That was tough, wasn't it? You didn't see that fastball coming, did you? I was, I was turned that way and walking away and somehow fastball came right up. Not a knockdown pitch. <laughs> Woe unto them that are mighty to drink wine and men of strength to mingle strong drink, which justify the wicked for reward and take away the righteousness of the righteous from him. Now, can that be any plainer? Oh, I know. You can't go, I mean, you can go to Walmart now and you can't find first aid kits, but you can find two rows of wine bottles. 
You can go down here to the Minute Mart where they used to have at least one of everything that cost you five times as much. But if it was your only option, at least you could get it, but not anymore because we have to have a wine place and a whole cooler for beer. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, boy. oh boy. When you get quiet, when the tough gets tough, you know, the tough get going. When the going gets tough, the tough get going. Now, I told you, I'm only throwing these things out we're all a work in progress. I understand some of you are still struggling with some things. Don't quit coming to church because I preach some stuff. Keep coming. I'll love on you whether you're fall down drunk or you're stone cold sober. I'll love on you. I'll, I'll pray for you. I'll root for you. I'll cheer for you. I'll fight for you. Whether you're right still out in the middle of your sin and you haven't found a way to get through it and overcome it. I, I, but, but it is, the preacher ought to be preaching something. He ought to give you something to see that, my God, is it possible? Could I really ever? Is, could that really happen? Could I really reach for that? Amen. El Greco said there, and he has said more than once, if I hadn't been preaching some of this, he'd have never gotten delivered. Amen. If he'd have come in this church and every week I said, you know, all is well. All is well. Grace. Great love. God loves you, Grace. All is well. No, he'd still be sitting in that Seat, maybe, but he wouldn't be a changed man. He said, I wouldn't be sitting in this seat. <laughs> so I don't want you to hear this as if I'm singling out. I'm trying to hold up a generality to say, I've talked about, you know, being honest on your job, honest in your marriage. I talked about having some integrity. I've talked about, you know, all these different things. And I do them just to throw them all out there so you can see a wider scope of, I think we all probably could say we could do better. I know I can. I get, I'm really hard on me because I do know where much is given, much is required. And I get really mad at myself if I miss the mark, if I don't say something right or don't do something right or do something stupid. I get really, because I expect more than that because I want to please God. I want to be a God pleaser. I don't want to be a man pleaser. I don't want to be a man pleaser. Man pleasers, they can have all the scriptures they want. Oh, they can act like they're Christian all day long. But if they're trying to be a man pleaser... I don't have time for it. I have the key to the city back there on my wall that the mayor came in here and gave us whenever it was, 15 years ago, came up on the stage, gave us the key to the city, and I don't even, what good is that? It means zero. Huh? Pastor Ginger said it never opened anything. It doesn't mean anything. One day I'll be gone and they'll put that in a box and put it in the dumpster as if it never happened. Because in the grand scheme of eternity, it really doesn't matter. But it does matter what God thinks. You've been listening to the Outreach.fm podcast with your host, Pastor William Luffman. We hope you've gotten some inspiration from this show. We enjoyed bringing it to you. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, reach out online. Find our website at faithoutreach.org. The streaming platform is livestreamchurch.com. Get an inspirational shot at a doseofhope.com. You've been listening to Outreach.fm. And remember, no matter what the weather may seem like in your life, the sun's going to shine again.